We're going to ask God to join with us now as we sing, Lead Me to the Cross. weekend, I had the opportunity to go and spend some time 
in Athens, Georgia with my youngest daughter who graduated from University of Georgia. Go ahead, Gina, and start playing on this. We have three girls. I don't share that an awful lot with the whole congregation, but seeing our youngest graduate from college made me think about not just the great times that we had with our children all through the years, but also the mistakes that I've made. But through all of that, there's one thing that I knew the whole time was that I could cry out to Jesus and he'd hear my pleas. I'll tell you, God is so good to bless us in every aspect of our life. But when those blessings are hard to find, this is what we do. Children around the world with 
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the, the many blessings you have given us and uh, that we can cry out to you. And dear Lord, I just uh, pray that right now we acknowledge that uh, all things are yours and everything we have came from you. And that, uh, that right now that you would just uh, bless these offerings that we bring to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. strength to rise from the ashes and make a new beginning anyone can feel the ache you think it's more than you can take but you're stronger stronger than you know don't you give up now the sun will soon be shining Gotta face the clouds to find the silver lining. I've seen dreams that move the mountains. Hope that doesn't ever end, even when the sky is falling. I've seen miracles just happen. Silent prayers get answered. Broken hearts get.
Thank you, guys. Well, it's good to see you all here this morning. Um, <clears throat> I noticed Van is absent today. Uh, Marlene is leaving for a mission trip to China. There's about a dozen people leaving for China this morning, and uh, they're going to Atlanta. We'll be flying out about three, I think, and then getting to Seattle, and then a direct flight from Seattle to Beijing uh, later on tonight. So be remembering that team as they, as they head out. This is uh, Baccalaureate Sunday. So at our 11 o'clock service, we have about 20 uh, high school seniors we'll be recognizing, and the message is kind of directed toward them, but not only them, because you can take what I say this morning and apply it wherever you are in life. Uh, the sermon is entitled, Left Behind in Haran, Genesis 11, 31 and 32. It's a short passage of scripture, but a sad thing happens that I want you to see, and then I want you to take it and apply it to your life. Where is God? Le- where are you now? And where is God leading you? Where does he expect you to be? And where are you in that journey? Have you gotten all the way, all the way to the destination? Have you stopped halfway? Are you not even out of the starting blocks yet? Where does God have you? And, and where are you supposed to be? Genesis 11, 31 and 32. It's a just a, a snippet of, of scripture, but uh, tremendous in its message. This is Terah, who is Abraham's father, Abram's father. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson. Okay, so Abraham and, and Haran are brothers. Haran is dead. Lot is Haran's son. So it's Terah, Abram, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, who's, of course, Abraham's wife, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, what? They settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. That's a sad thing when you stop and think about it because Tiro wasn't going to Haran. He was going to Canaan. He was going to the promised land. But they stopped along the way and settled. And that's where Tiro died. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage of Scripture and consider what happened in the lives of Abraham's father, Terah, and his own life, his wife and his nephew, Lot. Father, help us to examine ourselves and and ask ourselves, are we where you want us to be? And if so, praise God. Thank you for bringing us here. I couldn't presume to know where you want every person in their relationship with you. But I just pray that every person is where you want them. Show us that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Genesis 11, we read, Terah died in Haran. How did he get there? Well, Terah takes Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson. Don't, Don't confuse Terah's son Haran with the place Haran, which is where they stop. Two different names. 
the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. They stopped. Ur was the starting place. Ur was where Terah gathered up his family, Abram, Abram's wife Sarai, and Lot, Terah's grandson, and they headed out. So this is a pretty brave man, Terah. He, he gathers up, he's, he's like an immigrant that's got a vision for a better land, a better opportunity for his family, the promised land. And he gathers up his family and they gather as many their, their meager possessions as they can carry and they head on their way to Canaan, which is the promised land. <clears throat> I got out a map. It's about 575 miles from Ur to Haran. And then it's about another 250 miles from Haran to Canaan. So if you stop and think about it, they get about over two-thirds of the way from where they started in Ur to where they were going, the promised land in Canaan. But they stopped along the way, about 575 miles along the way, a little juncture, a crossroads called Haran. Canaan is the destination, Ur is the starting place, but when they got to Haran, it says they settled there. Verse 31, they settled. In other words, they just stopped. They settled where they were going. The word Haran means juncture, it means road, it means crossroads. And unfortunately, Haran is also a, a pagan stronghold. It's, it's right in the Mesopotamia Valley between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. And uh, it's, it's an easy place. It's like an oasis in the desert. And so Terah stops there with his family. Two-thirds of the way to their destination. The question this morning is, are we going to stop two-thirds of the way to our destination? If God is leading us to the promised land, are we going to get two-thirds of the way and settle? And I would not, as I said in my prayer, I wouldn't begin to tell you if Tifton for you is Ur or if it's Haran or if it's the promised land. For a lot of us, Tifton is the promised land and we're glad to be here. But for others of you, it might be the juncture. For others of you, it might be the starting point. The question is, what plan does God have for your life? And where are you along that journey? Don't whittle your dreams down until they're manageable and comfortable and bite-sized. Soren Kierkegaard, that great Danish philosopher, said, Shall we continue to live in the basement when there are so many unoccupied rooms upstairs? And I'm afraid that's what Tira did. He got his family, I mean, don't, don't punish Tira too badly. He got his family up. They got moving. They had a vision of the promised land, Canaan, about 750 miles away. They get 500 miles and they stop. And it, it's easy to be hard on Tira at this point. He didn't make it all the way, but at least he gathered up his family and got two-thirds of the way. The rest stop became his destination, and it says there he died without ever getting to see God's promised land. 
Frederick Buechner is one of my favorite religious authors, written a lot of books about, about faith and, and growth in the Christian life. And Buechner says that we play a dangerous game called yearbook solitaire. Have you ever done that? Gotten out your high school yearbook about 10 or 20 years after you graduate and looked at the pictures and remembered the crazy things those people did in high school and how in the world did they, how did they live? How did they survive, much less graduate? How did you get through high school? And then 10 or 20 years later, knowing what they what they had for their dreams and what they had for their visions and what they had for their hopes and aspirations. How many of those 10 or 20 years later are really happy and fulfilled in their calling? Or how, how many of them got to Haran and settled? How many settled? Tira got comfortable and he never fulfilled God's call on his life, and he settled in Haran. He could have had the promised land, but he settled instead two-thirds of the way there. Thankfully, there's another person in this story, Tira's son, Abram, and Abram's nephew, Lot, and Abram's wife, Sarah. And Abram inherited his father's vision and latched on to it, and he did some things to help him succeed, to help him go where he was supposed to go, where his father had a vision of going, his father had a vision of the promised land. And, and I can imagine at night that sitting around the campfire that Tiro would talk to Abram and say, this is what God has laid on my heart, and this is where I think we need to go, and this is, this is where we're headed, and this is what we're going to do. And you can just imagine Abram's disappointment with his father when they get to Haran, which is a rest stop. And Tira, instead of, instead of seeing it as a rest stop, it becomes Tira's destination. It becomes his settling place. But Abraham never gets this vision of the promised land, this dream, out of his mind. And so after his father's death in Haran, which is the rest area, Abraham picks up his family and continues on the remaining 250 miles to the destination of the promised land. How did he do that? Well, I wrote some things down just to help you in your journey. If wherever you are in the process, just to help you get going again. The first thing is learn to travel light. If you've got a lot of baggage, it's hard to pick up and move. I remember moving here 15 years ago. And how much clutter we had accumulated in our former house. And, and we'd lived there 10 years. I don't like to move very often, and that's why. And, and I, I thought, you know, if people have to move every three to five years, it really would help them clear out a lot of clutter. You know, you can't carry a lot of stuff with you if you move real often. But you'll never really move. You'll never go where you want to go if you've got excess baggage until you're willing to learn how to travel light. If you're dragging a lot of stuff along behind you, it's going to be hard to go where God wants you to go. And thankfully for Abraham, you know, he, as, 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 he, as he grew, God blessed him. It says right after this in, in chapter 12, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house 
to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who you curses you I will curse, and by you all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So they stayed in Haran a long time. By the time Abram turned 75, God says, you get up and you finish this vision that I first gave to your father. And you take what you can, but don't worry about what you can't take because I'm not through blessing you yet. As you go, I will continue to bless you. And when you get to the promised land, you'll be blessed beyond measure and you will be a blessing to all the nations and your name will be great. And so Abram is willing to pick up and travel Because he's willing to travel light. He doesn't have to carry everything with him. Because he knows God isn't through blessing him yet. I, uh, when we got to seminary, we didn't have very much. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a television. We didn't have bookshelves. We didn't have all those things that you need when you're a student. And uh, there was a missionary couple that was leaving. He was graduating seminary and they were going overseas. And they were divesting themselves, basically, of all their worldly possessions. And so from them, we bought a color TV, and we bought some bookshelves, and we bought some other things. And i got to tell you, I felt kind of guilty doing that. Because here was a couple getting rid of the baggage so they could go overseas to serve God where they felt Him calling them to be. And here we were on the other side accumulating stuff. You know, that was going to weigh us down to keep us perhaps from doing what God wanted us to do. But whatever you have, you know, don't, don't make it more important than God's call on your life. So that wherever he calls you, whatever he wants you to do, you'll be willing to do it. And leave behind the stuff of this world. Learn to travel life. Secondly, learn to travel with faith. I love this passage. It says in Hebrews eleven eight about Abraham, it says, by faith he went out, not knowing where he was to go. I love that. Abraham basically, he, he wasn't sure where the promised land was. He wasn't exactly sure which turn he was supposed to make to get there, but he just knew God was calling him out to go somewhere. And so, as I've said before, Abraham gets to the end of the driveway and he says, all right, am I supposed to turn right or left here? He just packed up and he left, not knowing what the destination was going to be, but knowing that God was calling him to move and he was willing to go. And I'll take this step of faith and I'll take this step of faith and I'll take this step of faith. And God, when I get to this, to this crossroads, you tell me if I'm supposed to turn right or left. You know, a lot of high school students, particularly graduates, I remember and in college too, really wrestling with what, what's God's purpose for my life? What do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to take? I'll take it. Just tell me. And over and over again, God would say, be faithful in the little bit that I've revealed to you. Take the small step of faith that I've shown you. And when you get to the crossroads, then I will tell you which way to go, but not before. God doesn't reveal his will for your life any further in advance than you have to know. But it's like headlights. 
shining in the distance at night. You can only see far enough to travel safely. You can't see a mile down the road. You can't see 10 miles down the road. But you know far enough to travel safely. And if you will go forward, then God will reveal the next step and the next step and the next step. It was unnatural for Abraham to depart his father's house and strike out on his own. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. So apparently Terah had set up his house in Haran, which was the halfway point. Go from there. And it was, it was staggering for Abraham to do that, to go out not knowing where he was supposed to go. But he was willing to strike out on his own because God was calling him to a promised land that he had yet to find. You know, there are ancient maps of the world. And if you look at those maps, over on the edges, it says, have you ever seen these maps? It says, here be dragons. Here be demons. You know, here be whatever, something frightening. Were there demons and dragons there on the edge of the world? Of course not. But since no one had ever traveled that far and come back, then they assumed there had to be something to fear that was out there on the the outskirts of the world. Well, a guy came along named Sir John Franklin, and over Here Be Dragons and Here Be Demons, he wrote, Here is God. Because he was willing to see through eyes of faith those areas of unchartered territories that had yet to be discovered. And he wasn't afraid of, of what might be out there if God was leading someone to go. So if you can see God along the way and at your destination, then that takes away some of the fear of the unknown and of change that has to happen in order for you to get there. One of our purposes as a church is to help, is to help you discover a faith that you can travel with. Not stay where you are, not be comfortable or complacent in your relationship with God, but I believe your relationship with God is like a journey. And it's supposed to be a progression. There's supposed to be growth and change all along the way. And if you have a faith that will help you travel, then when you get to that destination, it'll be just one more step along the way. And you can look back and say, wow, God has really worked in my life and grown me and changed me and moved me. And now, you know, not only am I where I'm supposed to be, but I've grown in my faith all along the way as well. Learn to travel light. Learn to travel with faith. Thirdly, learn to travel together. Abraham, thankfully, had an entourage. He didn't head out on his own. We know he had Lot, his nephew. He had his wife, Sarai. (coughs) Probably a lot of things they had accumulated there in Haran along the way. No one would strike out into the wilderness alone. God has given us each other to journey with. That's what a church is. It's a, it's a, a family of faith that is on a journey. I read one preacher, David H.C. Reed, and he was talking about different generations and the, the changes between the generations and how there's separations and line of demarcations between them. He said, Children are like a race apart. They are to be studied like aliens. Youth are already from outer space, and they speak a foreign language. 
Middle age is a problem requiring psychological help. Senior adults have to be coaxed into corners to get out of the way. So he really had, it's it's not that he saw something negative about every generation, it's just how we treat each other. We separate every generation. But I believe if we are going to make it as a church, we're going to have to do it all together. Children, youth, middle-aged, senior adult, we're going to have to do it all together or not at all. Because we have to learn how to travel together. God has given us the energy and enthusiasm of children and youth and the, and the, and the stability and wisdom of senior adults and middle-aged. And when he puts us all together, there is a blending of, of all of our resources. And in that mix, God is helping us to move along the process from one stage to another. I believe if we're going to make it, it's going to have to be all generations crossing those barriers and reaching out and embracing one another and saying, you and I may think differently, but we're in this boat together and we're going to go where God wants us to go. And we need each other all along the way to get to our destination. There was a preacher, I, I, I love this story, he was vacationing in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is where apparently a lot of preachers go to vacation. I, I vacation in a place in Florida where Mickey Mouse lives. Just got back from there Friday. He said, uh, tell everyone hello. But uh, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, this preacher, you know, he, he kind of liked to be anonymous, and he was sitting in a table in a small crowded restaurant. And this guy was going from table to table talking. He wasn't uh, an employee or even the restaurant owner. He was just a gregarious kind of fellow that enjoyed speaking to everybody. And this preacher was sitting alone. And so this guy comes up and says, may I join you? There was an empty chair at his table. And so we sit down. And when he found out he was a preacher, he began to tell him his life story, as happens so often. He said, uh, I grew up in the, in the hills of Tennessee, Appalachia, and uh, had kind of a rough childhood, he said. Uh, I, um, my mom was a waitress. I didn't know who my father was. And because of that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of parents wouldn't let their children play with me. So I had kind of a lonely childhood growing up. He said, but one day, as, as a young person, I stumbled into a local church. Um, but I was embarrassed because I didn't have a family with me. I didn't have a father. And he said, so I would sneak in after the service started and leave right before the service was over, as a lot of you do, by the way. And... Uh, He said, because I didn't want to be caught, I didn't want to be questioned, I didn't want to be challenged. And so I managed to get in and get out and stay anonymous for a long time. He said, but one day, the preacher was giving the invitation, and and before I could get out in the aisle to head out the back, some ladies got in the way and stopped me. And, uh, And before I could get out the back door, the preacher was there. He said, I felt this big hand on my shoulder, and he spun me around. He said, hello, boy. Whose son are you? And he said, I felt my legs go weak. Who's your father, boy? And I didn't know what to say because it was so embarrassing to me. But before I could answer, the preacher, his old craggly face, a big smile came across it. And he said, you don't know who your father is? Well, I'll tell you. You're God's son, boy. Now go. Go. 
and claim your heritage. And he said, with that, the man got up and left the table. And the preacher said, that's some story. And he asked the waitress, he said, who was that man? That masked man? No, he said, who was that man? And the waitress said, that was Ben Hoover. He was governor of Tennessee a couple years ago. That just goes to show you, it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter where your resting place is. What matters is your destination. Ur is the beginning. Haran is the junction. Canaan is the promised land. If you travel light and travel with faith and travel together, you can reach it. God's got great plans for you, plans to prosper you and give you a future. And I hope you'll find that as you travel with him. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for bringing me to Tifton because it wasn't easy 15 years ago to leave a a good church and a place of comfort and, and family in South Carolina and come down here and yet here you have provided blessing upon blessing. And even though the move was frightening and there were struggles at the time, you have been faithful along the way. And so I know from my own example that that there are others here who have perhaps picked up and moved to Tifton. And this is where they're supposed to be. There are some who are born in Tifton and are maybe graduating from high school next Saturday or, or this past weekend and are headed out. And Father, wherever we go, I just pray that you don't let any of us settle with less than what you want for us and for our lives. Because we know that you have a perfect plan for us. And I wouldn't begin to presume to know what that plan is for each of us. Part of that plan, I know, is to be in a relationship with you, which is possible by forgiveness of sins and being saved and having you in our hearts as Lord and Savior. But from there, I know that these folks in this sanctuary and watching by television and these 20 who will be graduating from high school this week, you have plans for them that are, that are just beyond our imagination. And I pray that none of us would get so comfortable and complacent that we settle halfway to where you want us to be. And it might be that you take us away from Tifton and bring us back. It might be that you have folks already here who are supposed to be here. It might be some others who are supposed to to head out to a promised land in a different location. I just ask that all of us be faithful, that we not be afraid to pick up and move physically or spiritually to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are going to sing an invitational hymn this morning. And basically it just provides a context 
for you to make a, a decision public. Maybe God has spoken to you and you need to profess your faith publicly. Maybe you need to rededicate your life or, or you'd like to join this church. God has a purpose for us as a church family and he's pointed us in a particular direction that we're heading and we'd love to have you join along. Whatever decision you'd like to make public, please come. We're going to stand and sing and I'll be here at the front to receive you and welcome you. But you have to take that step out indicating your desire to be faithful and follow. So let's stand together and you come forward.